Uh, as Ryan said, my name is Tyler, uh, Tyler Ruane actually, and uh, this seems like a really fun night. Uh, it's an honor to be here on the last big house of 2018. Um, yeah, it's gonna, I think it's going to get a little crazy lately, or later. I saw Elliot has already signed up. He's first on karaoke, so you're gonna, he's going to set the bar high, so you better be ready, all right? Uh, my name is Tyler Ruane. And I teach second grade at Hanson Elementary here in Cedar Falls. If there's any Hanson alum, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. It's actually a former Mr. Wayne student right there, so I'm pretty proud. Um, and I have a wife, actually, uh, Megan. We've been married for nine years. I've got three kids. It's three boys that usually destroy our house. And we've got a dog named Clarence, who's pretty grumpy most of the time. So. Um, big House is uh, just something that's always going to be close to my heart. So I, I don't volunteer here anymore. Uh, we miss it on Wednesday nights, but it's fun to be back. So thank you for having me. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the birth of Jesus. And every year, this is like a super joyous celebration for so many. And one of our family's favorite traditions is part of the Christmas Eve service, and it's where we sing Silent Night, and we light those super cool candles with, like, the Tro Snow spill guard on it. Um, it's amazing, all right? And the visual that you see of the light spreading throughout, just like Jesus' love can spread throughout, is such a cool picture. And I should say, actually, I used to love this tradition. And I did forget um, Bibles are being passed out, as I see right here. Elliot, I'm so sorry. Totally forgot that. Whew, luckily they saved me. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and they'll get you a Bible. Yep. Nikki's throwing, oh boy, yikes. Head on a swivel. Any other, oh, up here. Up here, right there. We're saved. Joe, do you have a Bible? Thanks, Joe. All right, back to, so, the lighting of the candles. It was a perfect stopping point, because actually, I don't like that tradition anymore. Um, last year, Christmas Eve, my four-year-old son, Dawson, um, for a few years, he had been kind of watching this process. And he's a pretty adventurous fellow, much more adventurous than me, and I could tell that he was starting to itch to become, like, a part of this process, all right? And I, uh, there was like a small, like 75% part of me that didn't want him to really join in quite yet. I thought he maybe had a few years on the bench. Um, but as you know, God has great plans, much better than ours. He put, uh, our eight-month-old Ashton was, had fallen asleep on my chest during the service. And so like, I was like immobile, because you don't wake a sleeping baby. You don't even move, breathe, anything like that. And Dawson had his candle, and the lights were coming his way. And his mom is also adventurous. So she, I couldn't, couldn't stop. I saw it happen. I was like, tomorrow the headline in the paper is, four-year-old burns down beloved local church. That's what it's going to be. And she lights his candle. And we get this picture right here. Just pure joy. Look at that. Whew. That is not what I pictured happening. But he is so happy. She is so happy. They're filled with joy. Nothing could take that joy away, I would imagine. That's the joy that the birth of Jesus can bring to people, all right? And when I think of celebrating the birth of Jesus, I think of this picture. 
and the joy in it, and all the joy at that seven-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus brought them. Now, take a good look at this picture, because there's going to be a second picture coming up that was taken two hours after this. Here comes the second picture here. The joy is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's still got his chill sweater on. It's perfect for that moment. And literally, two hours after that candle picture, this is taken. He's a diehard Packer fan, and there was a little mix-up. He opened up a Cam Newton jersey instead, and uh, that did not, for those of you who don't know, Cam Newton does not play for the Packers. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback, and uh, he was not happy. And now, he's a good sport. Uh, he let me use him as an example, mostly because he likes to see his picture up there. Um, but I think a lot of us have these moments where we lose that joy that this event can bring us. Um, it's different for all of us. It could be the reminder of a death of a loved one during the Christmas time. Um, it could be the idea of the perfect present, and you have those expectations, and a gift falls short of those expectations. Or maybe it's just that you can't be around the people that you want to be around when you're celebrating the birth of Jesus. There are plenty of things in our lives that distract us from the birth of our Savior. And I ask myself, how is that even possible? The story of God's rescue plan that Christina and Andrew have been talking about these last couple weeks is the most compelling story in the history of the world. And the birth of Jesus is kind of a big part of that story. And that's right, I said the most compelling story in the history of the world. More compelling than a Star Wars movie, I'm sorry, or a Hunger Games book. It just is, all right? And you know why it's the greatest? Because it's a true story that every writer knows we crave. Think about your absolute favorite movie or book. Does it have a somewhat mysterious start with a relationship or two that just doesn't quite make sense and the main character doesn't seem to be the right fit. It doesn't seem like the guy who's going to get the girl or save the day or make everything right in the end. But the story goes on, and then you start to believe in that character just until there's an event that creates all that doubt in your mind again. You doubt even more than you did at the beginning. You're thinking, Voldemort is unstoppable. There's no way a kid with a lightning bolt tattoo could stop him. <laughs> but wait, the main character sacrifices themselves or something about themselves to save the day, make everything right, and everybody lives happily ever after. The story we are talking about tonight, God's rescue plan and the birth of Jesus, happened way before any superhero movie or Nicholas Sparks story. And you can find this story in a book, this Bible that we've been reading through the last two weeks. It's a book of truths that outdoes any Netflix original. It's the story of a baby who grows up to make the ultimate sacrifice for all of us when it looked like there would never be light in our lives. It looked like we were headed for an eternity of darkness. And then we are sent a baby to rescue us all. Here's the story of the birth of Jesus. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What, what would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. 
Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. And one morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He's God's own son. He is the one. He's the rescuer. He's the one we've been waiting for. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, but... God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can this be true? Is there anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. And sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every single bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you here. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old, run-down stable. So they stayed there, where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born. God's son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Because, of course, he had. That same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, this one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale beside it. God put it there when his son was born, to be like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new father. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. 
So he pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little boy. Now where would you send your splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe? Or even a palace, perhaps? God sent his to a little hillside outside a little town. In the middle of the night, he sent all of those angels to sing for a ragged old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. Now in those days, people used to laugh at shepherds, call them rude names. You see, people looked down upon shepherds. They thought they were nobodies. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed, because they were the ones he'd chosen to tell the good news to first. That same night, some shepherds were out in the fields, warming themselves by a campfire, when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was that strange noise? They turned around, and standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light, blazing in the darkness. Do not be afraid of me, the man said. I have not come to hurt you. I've come to bring you such happy news for everyone everywhere. Today, in David's town, in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops, and troops of angels armed with light, and they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God. To God be fame and honor forever and ever. And then, as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire, left their sheep, and raced down the grassy hill. They ran through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobbled streets, through a courtyard, past an inn, round a corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. They caught their breath, and then quietly they tiptoed inside. They knelt on the dirt floor. They had heard about this promised child. And now he was here, heaven's son, the maker of the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be like that bright star shining in the night sky, a light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see. And the darker the night got, the brighter that star would become. Heaven had broken through. The great rescue had begun. Wow, what a beginning for this character named Jesus. And I know there's a lot of you um, that love to highlight in your Bibles. So let's, let's open up our Bibles and find um, the story that Dan read. He did such a good job reading it. Um, it's found in, chapter, er, in the book of Luke, chapter 1. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. And the first part of Jesus being born, that's, um, or, um, sorry, the angel visiting Mary, can be found in Luke, chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38. And those are up on this slide there. That's just, it covers that crazy encounter 
with Mary and the angel, and Mary finding out that she's got a pretty big role to play um, in the most compelling story in the history of the world. And then the second part of the story that Dan read is Luke chapter 2, and it's verses 1 through 20, that beginning of chapter 2 there in Luke, talks about the actual birth of Jesus, and then I love the, the army. He sent an army of angels to visit those shepherds that everybody thought were nobodies in that wide open field of darkness. And every time I hear those parts of the story read, I just can't get over the twists and turns that take place. The one who saves all of humanity is born to a virgin. The hero of the story is a baby that's born in a barn with all the farm animals, and the first people to know are some dirty shepherds that everybody thought were nobodies. And I have to be honest, I'm around stories a lot as an elementary teacher. When I hear the idea of someone coming down from the heavens to save us all from an eternity, eternity of darkness, I envision something different. I, th I think I could write a better story, possibly. And let me just paint this picture with my imagination brush here for you. Um, picture, we're in trouble. Jay-Z and Beyonce recognize that we all need saving. Who else would recognize that we all need saving other than Jay-Z and Beyonce? So they write a song together that ends up bringing down a being with special powers from the heavens that resembles a Hemsworth. And if you don't know what a Hemsworth is, that's a Hemsworth. That's a dude right there. I mean, people are like, I don't know if this baby's the one. You tell people this guy's going to save you, they're all in with that plan, all right? Uh, oh, that hurts right there. He, he did mess up in the latest movie. Uh, but in reality, in my story, he'd save the day. So the Hemsworth hero comes down from the castle to slay the demon. And of course, he lets Selena Gomez know first so that she can craft the ultimate Instagram post to let the world know that we have been saved. That's the story that I'm writing. And I think it's a pretty good one. I'll welcome your feedback afterwards. But... I don't think it compares, even comes close to the story that God wrote for Jesus. And at my day job, I teach a bunch of seven-year-olds to ask the question, why? Whenever they, don't, they, whenever they notice the author doing something that they didn't expect. And I don't want to be someone who doesn't practice what I teach. So why did God go with the birth of a baby to a virgin mother in a barn to start the last act of saving us instead of the Beyonce Jay-Z story. So let's start to answer this question of why. And I had visuals for my story, so I don't want to be unfair. I looked for a picture of Jesus as a baby. Joseph apparently left his iPhone in the wagon. So I do have a picture of a newborn, though. This baby is three minutes old right here in this picture. I took it, so I know, three minutes. Uh, that's our little Ashton right there. That's who's going to save the world, not Ashton, but a newborn baby, all right? This is what God sent to save us all. Imagine Mary and Joseph. They had this baby who cried when he was tired or hungry, who did, couldn't even dress himself or use nunchucks properly. And this was the one that everyone thought they needed right at that moment to save them. Thinking about Mary and Joseph staring at this wide-eyed baby Jesus helped me to start to realize why it had to be a baby. 
It had to be something that the world had never seen before. Jesus is like no baby ever born. He is fully human and fully divine at the same time. No one else has ever or will ever be able to make that claim. Jesus could live in both worlds and be that bridge by which God comes to earth and people can go to heaven. And Mary had to be a virgin because once again, it had to be something that this world had never seen before. With Mary being a virgin, Jesus in no way was a product of this world. He wasn't made from two sinners like the baby in the picture earlier. Jesus wasn't a product of this world, yet he took human form and was like us in every way. And that might not make any sense right now or later in small group or ever, but can you think of a more complex character in any other story ever? Because I can't. Hashtag most compelling story ever. Start that hashtag. So because he came to our world as a baby in human form, it was kind of cool. We got to see him go through the journey of life that we all do. He could have come down as a god and made everything right. He had that power. But would the story have had the same impact? I don't think it would have even close, come close to the impact that this story had. People wanted to see Jesus live a human life. We needed to see him start as a baby like us, grow in wisdom, mature into a young man who quietly begins a ministry that changes history forever. We needed to see him tempted by Satan, just like we are. He lived our life, but he did it perfectly, without the sin that flaws our lives every day. And finally, we needed real sacrifice. The sacrifice of a God is not worth as much to us. It's not as convincing enough for us. Aren't we greedy? We needed that sacrifice of a human life. However, we needed that sacrifice of human life to have some power behind it. Thus, why Jesus is fully man and fully God, to give that sacrifice the power that we needed. He gave his human life for us, and he used his power as God to build the bridge for us and to have the chance to go to heaven. I never thought that the story of a baby born in a barn could be so complex. And there's still one part of the story that kept coming back and have, had me wondering why. And it's those crazy shepherds. Why in the world are the shepherds in this story? Don't they seem so random? I kept thinking about what role the story these shepherds play. And the last few sentences from what Dan read really stood out to me. They read, The baby would be like that bright star shining in the sky that night. A light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness helping people to see. And the darker the night got, the brighter the star would shine. God knew that even after sending his son to die for us, we would still live in a world with darkness in it. We're all going to have moments in our lives where we are not sure what we are supposed to be doing with our life. We aren't sure of our next move. We're sitting in a field of darkness, unsure of ourselves. And in those moments, we can't forget about the baby in a manger that would be like a bright star shining in the sky. No matter how much darkness you have around you, Jesus can be that light. In fact, I think the darker things get, 
the brighter he can shine in those situations. He knows exactly how to take our darkest, toughest moments and be the light that we need to make us stronger through them. And there's some scripture that I think wraps things up for our teaching night as best as we can. So you can open up your Bibles again. We're going to go a chapter farther. We're going to, or a book farther. We're going to the book of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. And it's up there. I'm sure a lot of you know John 3, 16. That's a big verse. Tebow had it on his eye black. But I love what comes after John 3, John 3, 16. So here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may seem, be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It can get really dark around us sometimes. And it will get dark. It's, I, it's not even an if. In our lives, we're sinners, and it will get dark. We've got to look for that light. Think of that baby in a manger and how he can be that light for us. I invite you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for being that light for us. We know we are going to have times of darkness. It's not an if. It's going to happen. And we pray that in those times, you can remind us that you came for us as a baby. And then you died for us to give us that chance at eternal life. Amen. It came in the 
the song of the stars. It came as a rainfall, unexpected, passing eyes set on throne rooms, iron fists, grand shows. It came mist-like through the tear of the mother, the sweat of the soil, the dew on the cobweb in the cattle shed. It came to its own as hands unfurl, arms reach, eyes bloom. It awoke like a flower uncurling, like a flame on the darkness, and all who saw its light understood.